0: Welcome to PIWC Worcester's podcast. Thank you for joining us. We pray that in your time spent with us, you will be blessed and edified even as we grow in faith. Please enjoy and may the spirit illuminate your hearts.
1: Let the house know that we have our own regional head and wife in the house. Oh, hallelujah. No other person than our own Mother. Millicent Yadom. Let us give it up unto the Lord. For her. Oh, hallelujah. For welcome, I'm not in the... This place belongs to them. Uh-huh. And I'm the... Uh, uh, I'm just managing it. But the one that it owns is for the regional head and the wife. People of the Lord, it has pleased the Lord that our own regional head, our father, takes the podium to speak to us and also give us the direction as to where and how to go in this service so with a clap and if possible a standing ovation let us receive in the podium our own father apostle samson oh do it better for the lord give honor to whom honor is due hallelujah
2: Christ the Lord. I am also a steward. The owner of the church is the man Jesus Christ. So we are all stewards, my brother. Um, Today is a lost day that We are to come and dine with him. This is one of the ordinances of the church. The two ordinances that the church practice. And we believe this is a divine command. That when we approach it with the right understanding will surely benefit from it. I pray that the ordinance of the Supper would not just be a ritual. On this day, we come to God's altar. To have fellowship with Him by again resubmitting ourselves unto Him as living sacrifices. And as, as we all come together to dine, we also share fellowship not only with Him, but with one another. And so you will notice that before the COVID, we would put the table here and then we would all come forward to partake of the supper Somehow, when the COVID came, we resorted into giving out pre packed um Supper meal just to minimize uh, contact but by the grace of God, COVID is gone. We should not be caught up in convenience. To the neglect of what is important. And so I am encouraging the church that for some of these things, let us go back. Praise God. Let us go back. So I asked that today we should not give the pre-pack to the members as they come in. I want people who are ready to dine with God to come to the lost table. Hallelujah. This one is not a cake. Today is Palm Sunday. Jesus has entered Jerusalem. In his mind, he has a mission. But the people that surrounded him did not understand the mission. And that is why I want to take time to speak to us about the death of Christ, why he had to die. Was it an accident? Or it was God's ordained method of delivering humanity from the grips of Satan's sin? Why is it that today as it was at the time, people still considered the death foolishness. Something that people consider foolishness is still the power and wisdom of God. I pray that God will give us grace as we journey through scripture want to enter into the mind of God and so we need the spirit of God because nobody understands the mind of another except his own spirit in the same way nobody understands the mind of God except his spirit thank God through Jesus Christ we have been given the spirit of God the one who searches the deep things of God and make them known to us, we will read First Corinthians, First Corinthians, Chapter One. Let's read verse seven. Can we read from the end? Okay, New King James. It's, It's okay. First Corinthians chapter one. We would read. So that you come short in no gift, eagerly waiting for the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ. Read on. Who would also confirm you to the end that you may be blameless. In the day of our lord jesus christ now you don't need to come short because god intends that you will be blameless in the day of our lord jesus christ and so it is important for you to confirm your faith and our faith rests in the one who died buried And rose again. Having very good understanding of this would help you to remain firm in the faith. But there is something that happened. Let's go to verse 17. Verse 17. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom. Of worse, lest the cross of Christ should be made of no effect. Read on: for the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to those or to us who are being saved. It is the power of God. Does it mean we are not saved? He's speaking to the church. But he speaks as if their salvation is not complete. He says, who are being saved. Now, what it means is that we are saved we are being saved until
1: we are saved.
2: Once you are saved, God expects that you continue in the saving relationship with him. And so he continues to nurture you with his word. And as you listen to the word of God, you grow in the faith and then you get rid of all forms of evil. And you become more like Christ. Until our final redemption which is the salvation of our body. At the resurrection. But it is the message of the cross which saved us. Which will continue to save us. But this message which is the power and the wisdom of God to bring us to The expected end is foolishness to some people. Verse 18 and 19. Can we read on? For it is written I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Now, God is saying I will destroy the wisdom of the wise. And bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. What is he going to do to do this? Or used to do this? It is the message of the cross. That which is considered foolishness. So God is going to use what people consider as foolishness to destroy their wisdom. Which means the foolishness of God is even wiser than the wisdom of this world. Praise God. And so, if you serve God to the point where they consider you to be foolish, stupid, you are still wiser. You are stronger. Hallelujah. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 7. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 7. In him, we have redemption through his blood. The forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace so we have two bible passages we'll begin the discussion with first corinthians chapter 1 verse 17 to 19 and then we'll end with ephesians chapter 1 verse 7 the message of the cross is it a symbol of defeat or victory is it Foolishness or God's wisdom? How is it that some people consider it foolishness, and yet it is the wisdom of God? Now, every religion and ideology has its own visual symbol, and the symbol illustrates a significant feature of. It's history or beliefs. For instance, if you study about Buddhism, they they have the lotus flower as its symbol of perfection. An embodiment of beauty and harmony. So, when they put that symbol there, they are saying that in our faith we have perfection there is beauty and harmony coming from buddha and so anybody who places faith in buddha receives this beauty and he becomes perfect so just by looking at their symbol they get the message then if we also go into judaism they have the star of david when you go to bahai faith they have the nine pointed star when you go to islam they have several symbols but the paramount among them is the crescent a semi circular shape of the moon with a star in the middle of the open and they all communicate a message to the adherents. Christianity also among other things we have the cross as the central sign because we believe that the cross of Jesus Christ Stands at the middle of the Bible. His redemptive work on the cross. Stands at the center of the Bible. And so all those who lived before the cross. Looked forward to the cross. And those of us who live after the cross. We look backward. To the cross and so you would remember that many a times we make reference to the man who died some two thousand years ago as a result we are saved praise God so the cross represents the crucifixion of Christ by which the redemptive plan or redemption of humanity has been fulfilled by God. Yet, the Bible says it is foolishness to some people. Why is the message of the cross foolishness to them? That apparition. Why is it something that something that we consider to be the power and wisdom of God? Why is it offensive to people? Was it an accident? Why is it that they cannot accept the message of the cross? And why is it that those who accept the message of the cross are saved and there is a transformation that comes into their life? And I want to believe that we are here as witnesses of the power of the cross. Because for me, all the bad, bad, bad things I used to do I do them no more All the bad, bad, bad things I used to do I do them no more All the bad, bad, bad things I used to do I do them no more For there is a great change since I was born 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 there is a great change since what can wash my sins away nothing but the blood of oh, Jesus me. what can He did not owe, I owed
0: it, I could not pay and I needed someone to wash my sins away. Now I
2: Our next change, God chose the foolish things, the weak things, the debased things to shame the wise. Now, crucifixion seems to have been invented by barbarians on the edge of known world and taken over from them by both Greeks and Romans. It is probably the cruelest method of execution ever practiced. Why cause it deliberately delayed death until maximum torture had been inflicted on the victim. And so, when one is crucified, he could suffer for days before dying. Now, when the Romans adopted it, they reserved it for criminals convicted of murder, rebellion, or armed robbery, provided they were also slaves, foreigners, Or other non-person. And when a Roman says. You are other non-person. It means you are not a Roman citizen. So Roman citizens. Were exempted from crucifixion. Except in extreme cases of treason. So it is believed that. One Cesarle. In one of his speeches, he was a senator, condemned it as a most cruel and disgusting punishment. He also declared that to bind a Roman citizen is a crime, to flog him is an abomination. To kill him, irrespective of his crime, is almost an act of murder. So, even if the person is a murderer and you do not subject the person to law and you kill him, because he's a Roman citizen, you do not have to touch that individual then when he got to crucifixion he said to crucify him is what and he exclaimed and that was how he ended it big question mark he paused and then came back and added that there is no fitting word that can possibly describe so horrible a deed is how the Romans regarded crucifixion but you would know that they were part as well, of a chief instrument in putting Jesus to death on the cross now when you read the act of apostles chapter 22 from verse 22 to 29 We're going to read Paul has been arrested and then they wanted to flood him but he put up a very sound defense that sent fear into the spine of his handlers. Let's go there. The act of apostles chapter 22 and verse 22. and they listened to him until this word and then they raised their voices and said away with such a fellow from the earth he is not fit to live this man is preaching he's preaching about the resurrection of Jesus Christ then as they cried out and tore off their clothes so now they are saying away with him away with him he is not fit to live here And then as they were crying, they were also tearing their clothes and throwing dust into the air. The commander ordered him to be brought into the barracks and said that he should be examined under scorching. So in other words, torture him and let him speak the truth so that he might know why they shouted as against him. And as they bound him with thugs, Paul said to the centurion who stood by, Is it lawful for you to scourge a man who is a Roman and uncondemned? When the centurion heard that, he went and told the commander saying, Take care what you do, for this man is a Roman. Then the commander came and said to him, Tell me, are you a Roman? He said, Yes. The commander answered, With the large sum I obtained this citizen. Uh, so paying money to get citizenship did not, did not start now. <laughs> Back then, people were doing it. So it's okay. It's okay. And Paul said, But I was born citizen then immediately those who were about to examine him withdrew from him and the commander was also afraid after he found out that he was a Roman and because he had bound him so you do not touch so the Romans no they did not see why a human being being a Roman citizen should be bound. Let alone crucifixion. That one you don't go there. In 63 BC Cesaro in his defense of one Gaius Ruberius, an elderly senator who had been charged with murder explicitly said the very word cross should be far removed, not only from the person of Roman citizen, but from his thought, his eyes, and his ears. For it is not only the actual occurrence of these things, meaning the procedure of crucifixion or the endurance of them, but liability to them, the expectation, indeed, the mere mention of them, that is unworthy of a Roman citizen and a free man. This is the view of the Romans when it comes to crucifixion and the cross. But there are two parties that were involved in putting Jesus to the cross. The Romans and the Jews. Let's look at the Jews. The Jews and crucifixion. The Jews also regarded crucifixion with horror. They believed that any person who is hanged on a tree, that is, any person who is crucified, since there was no distinction made between a tree and cross, was under God's curse. And this traces back to the Old Testament law. It was explicitly stated In the book of the law, that any man who is hung on a tree is cursed by God and even his body, his body defiles the land and the inheritance of God's people. So when the Jews put you to the cross, your body should not touch the ground because when your body touches the ground, they believe that. It has defiled the land. Because you yourself, you are under God's curse. So they will have to remove your body in a way that it will not touch the ground. And then they will bury you. You should not bring curse on the land. Deuteronomy chapter 21 verse 22 to 23. If a man guilty of a capital offense is put to death. And his body is hung on a tree. You must not leave his body on the tree overnight. Be sure to bury him that same day because anyone who is hung on a tree is under God's curse. You must not desecrate the land the Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance. So, now looking at the two views, we see that whether a person was a Roman or a Jew, The early early enemies of Christianity could not understand why a man considered as the Messiah should die on a cross and yet claim to be the son of God and savior of mankind. Now you are beginning to understand why it is foolishness to people. Because if you are hung on a tree, you are under God's curse and the Jews believed that such curse should not be upon the land and so your body should not touch the ground and that's why they have to remove it immediately and bury it Romans on the other hand would not even mention the cross to a Roman citizen because that in itself is a crime So, when Jesus died, they lost no opportunity to ridicule such a claim. And it was discovered that during the second century in Rome, a simple drawing depicting a man with the head of a donkey stretched on a cross to the left stands another man with arms raised in worship. And there was this inscription beneath it. Aleximinos sabiti Fion. Which is interpreted. Alex Minos, worship God. So, in a way, they equated Christianity, Christian worship, their worship of Christ as donkey worship. The message of the cross is foolishness. Yet it is the power of God. Now, it is no wonder Paul in his presentation of the gospel to the Corinth emphasized the foolishness of the message of the cross. Why? Because somehow they considered only the fragmentary fashion in which it is often represented. They only see a dying man hanging so helplessly on the rugged cross. But thanks be to God that the same message which is seen as foolishness to the perishing world is unto us the power and wisdom of God. Why? Because the cross of Christ displays the love and mazes of God in their fullest sense. Was the cross an accident or predetermined plan of God? Did God know what he was doing? Or it just happened? Now brothers and sisters in the Lord, scripture reveals that the death of Christ on the cross was in the mind of God before Christ incarnated here on our earth. Revelation chapter 13 verse 8 Jesus is seen as the lamp of God who was slain before the foundations of the world. This means that his death was foreordained by God before the world even began. It is God's foreordained perfect solution for the sin disease. One would ask, I've had people ask this question. Now if God knew that men will fall why then did he create man planted in the garden that tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now the, the answer is that if you have been told hello? If you have been told that there is disease coming but take this pill hello? So that when that disease comes, you would not die of it and you fail to take the pill. Who has become your enemy? And you your own enemy? Correct? Yes, he knew. in view of that, a provision was made. He knew because he had, he was going to create man in his own image, having the freedom to choose. And this precious gift, God knew that man was going to abuse it. And so he took our place of sin, even before we sin. All we need to do is to place our faith in him and our sins will be forgiven. And that's why the Bible says for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. Why? Because the world is already condemned. And so the reason why he came is that through him the world might be saved. But anybody who rejects him is condemned. So I want to believe that God does not condemn people. People condemn themselves. Hello. There's therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Hmm. It is God's for the perfect solution for the sin disease. So we see that right from the beginning. God started working out this divine plan by giving a hint through certain pronouncement and acts. For instance, in Genesis chapter 3 verse 21, God when man sin God covered man's nakedness with garment of skin. In chapter 3 verse 21 and the lord god made clothing from animal skin for adam and his wife the lesson here is that in the process of man losing paradise god demonstrates his love for mankind with the suffering of an animal to provide a better covering for him i want to believe it is because of this that even when adam was expelled from the garden of eden he could still fellowship with god because Blood had already spoken on his behalf. There was a covering made by God. So Adam, now listen. Sometimes we talk about Adam, 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 Adam but, but surprisingly, we we'll go to heaven and there you see Adam, and there you see Eve. Praise the Lord! And then when you move forward. You come to the Levitical sacrificial system as you scan through scripture. You see that God instituted sacrifices to provide a means of access to him by his people and also for them to gain his acceptance. We see that the life of a spotless pure animal was offered to God in place of a sinful soul. And so when you read Leviticus chapter 3, verse 12 to 16, chapter 4, verse 16 to 26, chapter 5, verse 14 and 15, chapter 6, verse 1 to 7, let me take them again. I hope you are writing. Chapter 3 verse 12 to 16. I'm trying to establish understanding here. Okay, so I'm not going to jump here and there for you to, to preach on, preach on after this. Then you still don't remember anything. That's not me. Amen. All right. I'm not interested in the preach on. I'm not interested in the shall be. Yeah. I'm interested in you. Getting something. Praise God. As for praises, my wife does it. She's very good at that. Uh, Leviticus chapter 3, verse 12 to 16. Chapter 4, verse 16 to 26. Chapter 5, verse 14 and 15 chapter 6, verse 1 to 7. Now, when you read these Bible passages, we will see that whatever the offenses were, God required that offering of an animal that is spotless or blameless was necessary to atone for the sins of of man. The animal was killed and its blood used. Now, the essential idea of bloody sacrifices was that the victim, that is the animal, took the place of the sinful man. Redeemed him or atoned for him as a substitute. So, the Levitical system of sacrifices was the typological comparison of redemption by Jesus Christ. Interestingly, when it comes to the book of Hebrews, the writer explains that the Old Testament sacrifices as instituted by God were only a shadow of what was to come because right from the beginning, God instituted that his son must die to redeem humanity from their sins but it was for a fullness of time and until that time matured several systems were put in place as shadows of what was to come and anybody who believed God and then practiced the shadow in one way or another placed faith in In the death of Christ, and so when you come to the book of Hebrews chapter eleven at the tail end, he says that those Old Testament people who believed in God and practiced the things of God, they were not made complete without us, because only together with us are they made complete. What does it mean? It means that they looked forward to Christ his death on the cross. And we look backward to Christ, his death on the cross. So whether the Old Testament or the New Testament, we are all made complete through Christ's redemptive work on the cross. That had been God's mind and purpose. So the cross of Christ was actually in the mind of God right from creation. Now, let's also look at the perspective of of Jesus. Jesus right before his public ministry committed himself to go the father's way which was the way of suffering and death on the cross. And we see this in Luke chapter four. When on the mount of temptation Satan offered him the easy way out. Now the suggestions of Satan was an offer for popularity and acclaim. But Jesus' response teaches that the way of the father for him included suffering and death by implication. Says man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. What was he saying? The father had declared that the son must die. The son must die. Later, Jesus will bring this out forcefully through his teachings. When you read Mark chapter 8 verse 31 and 32, Mark recalls that then Jesus began to teach them that the son of man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, chief priests, and teachers of the law and that he must be killed and after three days rise again. He spoke plainly about this. Now, it is very interesting to note that as Jesus started to publicly declare that his death on the cross was vital aspect of his mission as the Messiah, the Bible says one of his own, Peter, rebuked him as before he pulled him aside and then he rebuked him. Master, Don't say that. Why? Because he was horrified by the fate he had predicted for himself. Now, another reason was also that the most popular expectation was of a revolutionary political leader. And we see in John chapter 6 verse 1 to 15, Jesus had fed 5,000 people with five loaves of bread and two fishes. Now, during that, the people attempted to make him their king. It was a spectacular miracle that moved the crowd to conclude that he was indeed the prophet the prophet they had expected, the prophet they were looking forward to. Then the next thing they attempted to do was to make him their king by force. And Jesus, sensing this, the Bible says, withdrew himself to the mountain, showing that the way for him to be declared king of kings is by the cross. When you read John chapter 6, verse 1 to 15, after this, Jesus went across the sea of Galilee, some call it Tiberias. A huge crowd followed him, attracted by the miracles they had seen him do among the sick. When he got to the other side, he climbed a hill and sat down, surrounded by his disciples. It was nearly time for the feast of Passover, kept annually by the Jews. When Jesus looked out and saw that a large crowd had arrived, he said to Philip, where can we buy bread to feed These people, he said, this to stretch Philip's faith. He already knew what he was going to do. Philip answered, 200 silver pieces wouldn't be enough to buy bread for each person to get a piece. One of the disciples, it was Andrew, brother to Simon Peter, said, There is a little boy here who has five belly loaves and two fish. But that's a drop in the bucket for a crowd like this. Now, when you are dealing with Jesus, be very careful. Don't draw conclusions. Hello, don't just throw this in. When you are dealing with Jesus, don't draw conclusions. It's good to present issues to him as you see it, but don't draw your own conclusion. It will be a mistake. Praise God. He will embarrass you. If you have drawn your own conclusion on a matter, may the Lord embarrass you. May the Lord embarrass you. And so he's going to embarrass them. Hmm. Jesus said, make the people sit down. There was a nice carpet of green grass in this place. They sat down, about 5,000 of them. Then Jesus took the bread and having given thanks, gave it to those who were seated. He did the same with the fish. All ate as much as they wanted When the people had eaten their fill, he said to his disciples, gather the leftovers so nothing is wasted. They went to work and filled 12 large baskets with leftovers from the five belly loaves to their shame. (laughs) Now the people realized that this is my interest from the message Bible. The people realized that God was at work among them in what Jesus had just done. They said, This is the prophet for sure. God's prophet right here in Galilee. Jesus saw that in their enthusiasm, they were about to grab him and make him king. So he slipped off and went back up the mountain to be by himself. Wow. So Peter could not bring himself to believe that Jesus, who has been accepted by many, to be the prophet from God and whom they were willing to crown king with the view of restoring the kingdom to Israel will speak of dying. So he said, no, no, no. Master, stop this dying, dying, dying business. Now you've been preaching good messages but of late I don't get it. Don't say you will die. Don't say you die. What was Jesus' answer? Mark chapter 8 verse 32 to 33. Now he spoke plainly about this and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him but when Jesus turned and looked at his disciples, he rebuked Peter. Get behind me. Now this is somebody who is predicting his death and a well-meaning disciple so to speak. He's trying to talk you out of it. Is it, is it, is it bad? Is it bad? You, you want to commit suicide. And I'm saying, no. There's a better life for you. I'm trying to remind you of what just happened. You see how the people love you. You are, you are a king. We have already crowned you king. The kingdom belongs to Israel. You have, you have won their hearts. They have accepted you. Stop saying, uh, why do you say you will die? Do uh, you think people don't love you? Do you think you are rejected? Look at the crowd. Don't say you, you will die. No, no, no. But Jesus said, you do not. He says, get behind me, Satan. But my interest is, is in the next nine. You do not have in mind the concerns of God. Mm? you are not mindful of the things of God but the things of men hello again the message of the cross is foolishness to them that are perishing but this same message is the power and wisdom of God somebody attempted to stop Jesus but he says what is on your mind is not from God You are only concerning yourself with the things of men. But you are not mindful of the things of God. What are the things of God Jesus is talking about here? Yes. What are the things of God? Come on. Salvation, which comes by his death on the cross. So Jesus affirms here that his crucifixion is actually the mind of God and it was also his agenda and he kept that agenda as number one on his list and nothing was going to stop him from accomplishing that purpose. Jesus again made a prediction concerning his death on the cross according to Mark chapter 9 verse 31. The son of man is going to be delivered into the hands of men. They will kill him. And after three days. He will rise. And at a point. He had to hasten it. By telling Judas. Who was going to betray him. He says son of man. Whatever you have in mind to do. Do it quickly. Do it quickly. Hmm. Mark chapter 10 verse 32 to 34. They were on their way up to Jerusalem with Jesus leading the way and the disciples were astonished while those who followed were afraid. Again, he took the 12 aside and told them what was going to happen to him. We are going up to Jerusalem, he said, and the son of man will be delivered over to the chief priest and the teachers of the law, they will condemn him to death and will hand him over to the Gentiles who will mock him and spit on him, flog him, and kill him. Three days later, I love this. Somebody say, three days later, he will rise. Hallelujah. And later, after Jesus had been placed on the cross, John records that Jesus saw that all was completed and that scripture had been fulfilled. Therefore he shouted it is finished. What the father had in mind before creating us. What he instituted as a way of pointing to the cross. The reason why Jesus was given a body to wear. The reason why he had the mind of the father as number one on his list is accomplished. Now he said it is finished. Now brothers, the lesson here is that considering Mark's narrative, Luke's contribution And the remark of John. It is obvious and an undeniable fact that the cross of Christ was paramount in his mission to save the world and I've come here to say that it remains the same. What did I say? It remains the same. Because the blood that spoke on that faithful day, according to scripture, that blood still speaks. So when we preach the cross, we are not talking about historical facts. That is not applicable today. And I'm praying that as you come to the Lost table, now brothers, hear me. We need to activate the power of Christ that has come to the church through the redemptive work on the cross to bring healing, deliverance, and break yokes. I am tired and sick of lukewarm church. There has to be a visible manifestation of the power of God in our midst. And it's starting today. I'm saying today. I'm saying today. So even as you come to the lost table. Now listen. In the cross. There is power to heal. Now brothers and sisters. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 7. That will be the end. Can we? Okay. In him. We have redemption. Somebody say redemption. Through his blood. The forgiveness of sins. In accordance with the riches of God's grace. Oh, no, no, no. You are not reading. In accordance with the riches of God's grace. Don't take this lightly. No, no, no. Don't miss any line here because they are very very important in him in who in Christ we have redemption okay I'll come back to it but maybe let me talk to us what it means what redemption means it means losing from a bond setting free from captivity or slavery. It means buying back something lost or sold. Or exchanging something in one's possession for something possessed by another. It comes through ransoming. In the New Testament message, redemption speaks of deliverance of humankind from its state of alienation from God who is his creator through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. If you are here as a believer, you have been redeemed. You have been bought back. You have been set free. So there should not be anything that should bind you. Today you have to receive your freedom. It means to set loose when Christ Jesus died the chains got broken. That which held us back gave way because it is the power of God. On the cross it was his life that spilled into our sinful world the life of God to bring deliverance to break chains we need that old time faith message power back in the days that somebody will take the Lord's Supper and will receive instant healing because they took time to teach them. Today, we are just interested in that ritual. I want to send you away here from here. But what good is it if I close within two hours and you go with your burden? But if you can spend 30 more minutes, and be liberated from your burden shall we be upstanding? we're going to pray in the name of Jesus let every chain be broken now listen don't consider the message of the cross foolishness I followed my wife to the phys- physical therapist. I was I was bored by what they were doing. I mean it, it looked foolishness to me. But it worked. Somebody's complaining. And then he she gets there, and all they were having her to do is do this. I was thinking they were going to pull the hand, like, uh aha. But they were saying, just do this. Me lacking knowledge in that field, I thought they were just cheating on me. They were just just taking my money. I mean, these people, what are they doing? They are not serious. Just do this, just do this, just do this, just do this, just do this. What sounded foolishness? was the power that brought the healing praise God the message of the cross is foolishness but it's only foolishness to them that are perishing but unto us who are being saved it is the power and wisdom of God should they receive power in the name of Jesus
0: Thank you once again for joining us. We pray that you were blessed. Click on the other episodes to continue on this journey with us. Don't forget to share and follow this podcast. God bless you.